But it's good to be back here at New Life Restoration Center and uh, really enjoy these Tuesday meetings with your pastor, Dorman Dugan. He's, uh, he's a great man of God and very humble and very knowledgeable about the Word and about the exchange life. And in fact, uh, before I get too far into this, uh, honey, do you want to come, come up and say a few words? You know, like you do? No? Not this time, huh? Okay. <laughs> when we were preaching last week at, uh, at uh, uh, Trinity Life here in Hereford, uh, she said during the, the praise and worship, now I want you to say this. Now make sure you say that. And uh, don't forget to say this, that God put this team together. And, and, and I'm like, honey, okay. And she said, no, let me just go up there and say some things. So <laughs> it was funny because uh, Paula doesn't normally uh, do that. So it was a great, great thing to witness. But uh, what I'm going to do is, is talk to you about uh, this last mission trip to Niger, what the Lord did. We're going to brag on him a little bit. But... I want to sing this chorus. I've been threatening to do it, and Paula said, oh, I don't know. And, uh, I, yeah, she's, she's like, I don't think so. But uh, the, the worship was so good today, and I really appreciate uh, the folks that were filling in because, you know, that, that's, it's tough to do. It's tough for me to come in here and fill in for your pastor, and I'm not even going to try to do that. Uh, what I'm going to do is, is talk about Jesus. But, and you all that, that filled in for the worship team, appreciate that. You know, I hate to say it, but I think worship is probably one of the, it's probably the most important part of what we do on Sundays, you know, and, and we do spend a lot of time on preaching and, and uh, sharing the Word of God, but uh, I tell you, there's nothing like worship. So, let me sing this. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O my Lord. We worship Your holy name. We worship Your holy name. Okay, that's how we're going to start. First slide, please. And uh, let's turn down these lights, too. Let's get some of these uh, things, because otherwise we're not going to be able to see this picture. My son, Dr. Paul Adoy, who uh, lives in Lagos, he's an adopted son, spiritual son, he wrote a report about this last trip to Niger, which was really awesome. And I, I thought, you know what? I, I, got to, I got to acknowledge this and use this in my presentation, but because it is, it is so good. Um, <clears throat> now, as I go through this report and talk about the team and, and what God put together, you need to know that, that five years ago when we started this, we had nothing in our pockets. We flew to Lagos and then from Lagos to Nigeria. And uh, I wonder if we could turn that baptistry light off. Okay, next slide, please. Uh, we flew from Lagos, which is right here in southwest Nigeria, all the way up to northeast Nigeria. And, and on the plane, Mike and I were praying that God would give us context. All I knew is that I wanted to reach this unreached people group in here in Chad among the, uh, uh, among the bull. Was it, was it in bull? I think it was in bull. But anyway, they're called the Cannon Boo. And uh, this was five years ago, and 
And uh, when we got off the plane, I, I was practically strip-searched by the people in, in northern uh, Nigeria. It was like going through customs all over again. And I thought to myself, wait a second, I've already passed customs. Why are we going through all this? But anyway, there was one cab left after we finished. And the cab driver's name was Tunde. And Tunde said, you know, he said he was a believer in Christ. And, and Mike and I looked at each other like, this is the man that God's given us who's going to hook us up with the right people. Well, for the last five years, two of those folks that, that Tunde introduced to us have, have continued to work with Lost But Not Forgotten. And uh, the third one, Mike introduced, and uh, some of the others, uh, the Lord has, has put in our path along the way. So it's, it is definitely an interesting uh, the way he's, he's put this together. So let me start. The Niger Mission 2013 Personal Experience. The mission to the Bagazam Mountains, north of Agadez in Niger, was planned in 2012. I was invited to be a part of the mission, and I accepted having been a part of this commission since 2008. I have been to several outreaches, but from the very beginning of this plan, I knew that this particular outreach would be a special one. The Ayer Tomashek, or Tuaregs, living around Mount Bagazam, a stony, rocky area about five hours drive north of Agadez. Next slide, please. Right in here. This is, uh, this is now Nigeria, south of Niger. And uh, here's Chad, that, that area I'd pointed out earlier. So this is a blow-up then of, of, of that country. Okay. These wonderful people are known as the Tuaregs by the English. Next slide, please. These are the mountains of Mount Bagazem. Next slide, please. And these are what uh, the, the Tuaregs look like. They dress very colorfully. Some of these folks are part of our team. Some of them are, are just a local Tuareg. He's local. This is our driver. This is a chief, uh, another chief here, and some elders that are, that are mixed in, and, of course, the children. Um, the Buzu and Hausa, they're called Buzu and Hausa, and they call themselves the Ayer Tomasheks. The background information we gathered was exciting. This people group is nearly 100% adherent of Islamic teaching. In other words, they're all Muslim. Eight different Christian groups, guys, have been trying to work with them, and not a single convert was noted among these guys. Now, God graciously gave us... Now, you know, the, the, the prayer was put into it, the soil was cultivated, and by the grace of God, you know, we came in at the right time with the right message and with the faith to, to be able to harvest 750 souls among the Air Tomashek. So they're no longer an unreached people group uh, by definition, there are people from every village uh, that we went to who uh, have come to Christ. This people group, nearly 100%, hence the very people that our ministry, lost but not forgotten, is very much interested in. On the other hand, it was very frightening because the Tuaregs have a reputation for radical Islam, violence, and rebellion. And I was warned about that ahead of time. As a matter of fact, the indications were that it would be impossible to venture into that region with an open-air outreach, not to mention that it would be with Americans taking cognizance of the happenings in Mali, Algeria, northern Niger, and Libya. That is, the Tuaregs are actively involved in all crises of rebellion, abduction, and killing of Westerners here. The mode of operation of our mission entails that we will spend at least two weeks in each outreach 
and at least one week of it will be spent giving medical aid to children and women in the day, showing the Jesus film in the night, and then thereafter preaching the salvation message and inviting listeners to accept Christ and make public commitment to him. The mission plan. Dr. David Tim, the president of Lost But Not Forgotten, had prayed and received confirmation to go to the mountain of Bagazem last year. This was relayed to the team. We all gave our consent and intention to participate. Application was written through the EERN, which is the Evangelical Church of the Republic of Niger, one of the churches that partner with us in Niger. The schedule was fixed from March 24th to April 9th of 2013. Uh, Next slide, please. And that's me with uh, some of the gentlemen behind us uh, with the heavy guns. We, uh, we actually couldn't go into this area without the, uh, the, the, the commitment of, uh, of soldiers to our team. Uh, we had about 10 National Guard soldiers in one vehicle and then 10 uh, soldiers of the Gendarmerie, uh, which are military police who were in another vehicle, both with heavy guns like this and AK-47s and you know, every man was armed, and they never put their weapon down. That was an interesting thing I noticed about the guys. But we were required for this attachment to, in order to, to go. And the point is, uh, I think, that as Americans, we're a target. And the commandant of this area, the governor, was not willing to sacrifice us, uh, you know, for, for, uh, for no reason. So... Um, we had to hire these guys. It's actually 900 and some dollars that it cost us for these, but not bad when considering they paid for the fuel and, uh, um, and God gave them an opportunity to hear the gospel. So, David Tim, President of Lost but Not Forgotten, the best way I can describe him is dangerously fearless. He often told us that we should know that we were dead before going or deciding to go on missions. All the exploits of the ministry is sincerely based on the fact that he is actually dead to the fear of death, hence has dispersed the good news to anyone he came across. I have come to see chiefs, elders, and leaders in Islamic communities give their lives to Christ or at least hear the good news of salvation. People that would have out of fear never have been spoken to. He preaches in the markets, by the sides of the mosque, and even inside the mosque. One time, the only available space for us to have our medical aids to children was inside the mosque. Here, he shared the gospel, prayed for the sick, etc. Everywhere we found a crowd, he preached. He has a double doctorate, a pharmacist, consultant, OBGYN, but retired due to health reasons, pioneered, founded, and raised funds to daily uh, run LBNF. But, you know, this mission is, is so much more about the team than it is about any individual. Uh, but God uses individuals like yourselves to put together a team. And I feel like the Lord wanted to, I was, I was listening to him to hear what kind of word he wanted to share with you, just a prophetic word of encouragement as a church, not, not on the basis of what I've got here, but just something a little different. And uh, I feel like the, the Lord is saying that he does delight in you, and that if you could get a hold of the the grace of God through Jesus and the extent of his love for you and understand just how he feels about you, that you would, you would always walk in victory. You'd always walk with your head up, knowing that 
There is, there is no challenge, there's no sin, there's no fault that you have or a history that you have that cannot be overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony. So be encouraged that you are a remnant group. Uh, you are a small part of this big community, but you're an important cog in what God is doing here in Hereford. He has you here for a reason. You are a remnant people. And it's great to be a remnant people because, uh, you know, the, uh, God is always about the remnant. You look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, many are they that, that uh, go the way of, 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 of death, but, you know, um, many are called, few are chosen, you know, just constant word throughout the, the, the word of God that says that God is with his remnant people. And uh, now we're under the new covenant and, and I'm, I'm not trying to mix, uh, uh, mix uh, a little leaven in the bread here, but uh, I just want you to know prophetically that uh, the Lord is watching over this church. He's watching over his word. He's watching over his promises in your life to perform them. And there is, uh, uh, there is, a, is, a, there is a great spirit within this church and a great love within this church. And, and I feel like um, maybe one word of exhortation would be to, to continue to open yourselves up to one another and to the world around you without fear with the love of God that he's put within you. Because he has made an exchange within each one of you. And that exchange is, is the beauty of, of being in Christ. Because now we are all in union, not only with him, but also with one another. And he's got great plans ahead for each one of you. Young, old, man, woman, child, doesn't matter. Because the Lord knows the plans he has for you. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Okay, let me continue on. Next slide, please. Uh, This is Dr. Brent Sherwood. This is an important man in the ministry. He may not think so. He's a humble guy. But um, he is the only doctor that's ever gone with me overseas. And uh, we've known each other for over 20 years. We were in medical school briefly. He was my lab partner for a week. And, uh, and, and, and until, for family reasons, he had to cut back. But uh, uh, we've been able to maintain our relationship during that time. And, and as a result, I've been blessed by him. Uh, to have him come to Africa and to be a supporter of this ministry. And uh, Brent, he gave it up. He gave it all. You know, I've told people, be ready to to be prepared to die. This is not an easy deal here. You know, there's sickness and disease. There's there's Al-Qaeda to deal with. There's government officials. And, you know, it's it's not for the faint of heart. So he said, okay, you know. Just like David last year said, okay, David Mohan's down here in the, in the second row also. And uh, um, just want to acknowledge uh, his girlfriend, Angie, and Cinnamon, Dr. Sherwood's girlfriend, and, of course, my lovely wife, Paula, who is the wind beneath my wings. Thank you, honey, for giving me this opportunity. Now, Dr. Brent, come on up and talk a little bit about uh, uh, your experience let me tell you what Dr. Adoy said about Dr. Brent. This was the second outreach of Dr. Sherwood to Africa. This 55-year-old man, I call him the mountain man because he is quite a big man and towers above six feet. 
is an emergency room specialist. Uh, before venturing into medicine, he was a trained uh, engineer. He is a heart for God and the lost, a financial support of this ministry, and eventually a participant. So I wonder if this mic is on. Yeah, testing. Okay. There you go, brother. Well, thank you, Brother Dave. I promise, folks, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> if I did, I know it would clear out. Uh, this is truly from the heart. Uh, I knew I was going to speak, or I thought I was going to speak today, but I don't really have anything prepared. So this is truly just from where I'm coming from. Uh, I'm going to let Dave, you've got more to say, I assume, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's going to I'm, I'm never at a loss know. for words, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for letting me come up. Uh, I'm going to be very brief. Uh, I'll just give you my perspective of coming from me. I've had a lot of people ask me, why did you go? Well, it's not about me. It should be about Jesus. Amen. That's why you go. Um, I couldn't come up with a real answer as to why I went. It goes so deep into me. I've tried to put it into words. Um, I felt like, and you put too much praise on me here. <laughs> no. uh, I felt like I was the weak link on this trip. God was showing me. It's a lie. <laughs> God was showing me how to rely on others. Um, I don't know what it's like to have a brother or a sister or a cousin. I'm an only child of two only children. Four grandparents, two parents, me. And so I've never had that experience. You know, what it's like to fight with a, a sibling, to make up with them. To, it's always been me. And let me tell you, it's a pretty lonely feeling. I've had that all my life. Um, this is my brother. Amen. I wanted to go to just put it on the line. Yes, he's probably going to talk to you about the danger, and yeah, there was danger involved. Uh, and he put us in our place. We went to Kano, which is in the northern part of Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria is, is a country that's divided in half. The southern half where Lagos is, is mostly Christian. The northern part where Kano is, is uh, mostly Muslim. And I've been, this is my second trip. I went in 2010, and I can tell you, because I was in Kano, Nigeria in 2010, Kano in 2013 was very different. Because we had spent several days in Kano, Nigeria in 2010, going to the market, going downtown, buying pink dresses that they made me wear, um, <laughs> which is acceptable over there. Um, and uh, this Kano, we flew in. They zipped us off to the Christian compound, which, by the way, had barricades around it uh, because of the Boko Haram. Uh, and basically, they're against anything Western. Uh, if you're Western, they don't like it. Uh, we were there for, what, just a day? And, and then we zipped out. And it really, it really got a hold of me when on this van that we had on this trip, they put up these blue curtains. Why do you have the blue curtains up? Well, we're hiding your western faces as we drive through town. Uh, so that, that drives it home. And all of us in our team were talking about the Boko Haram, the Boko Haram. You remember that, Dave? And he set us in our place and said, hey, guys. I've heard more talk about the Boko Haram than I've heard about Jesus. 
And Dave said something very prophetic to me at that time. He said, the safest place in the world to be is in the will of God. That's not original, by the way. Well, I, 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 I stole but... that from, from Ricky, Ricky File. <laughs> and, and that really drove home to me. While we were there, let me just give you a quick story from my perspective. When we were there in Kano, that one evening, and we got together as men, and we had a, um, a meal and a, you know, a time of prayer, my chair broke. Remember that? What's that? <laughs> my chair broke. Oh, oh man, yeah. We're sitting you in these plat- It doesn't the help wall. when you're when yeah. you're on the other side of 300 pounds, uh, and you have these plastic chairs. They don't really design them for you. Before I'd really even hit the ground, we we're all sitting around this table. The hands of these men were down there reaching for me to raise me up. I see this look of brotherhood that I had not known. Even as a child. We go on the trip. I'm going to let Dave talk to you more about the trip. uh, And what all went on. Yes, we went. And yes, it was long. And yes, it was arduous. And yes, it was hot. And and all of these things happened. And yes, we reached many people. 800? Approximately. Raised their hand for the Lord. Uh, And yes, we knew our life was on the line. Uh, I I wanted to gloss over all of that. I saw the changes in the people. I saw the changes in these soldiers um, as the days went on. When we first started, they didn't know us. They were very standoffish. Uh, They went about their job uh, guarding us, uh, keeping march uh, over our perimeter. Uh, But they saw these Western men uh, working long hours. They saw us doing what we say we were going to do. And I saw them at the end start bringing patience to us. I saw them open up. There is a real hunger there. There's a real longing all over the world. I'm the one that got sick. Dave, I know, uh, went, what was that, a couple of years ago? Last Something year. like that. Yeah. He got sick. So I don't know if it's Dave's cooking or. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't touch the food. <laughs> no. There's a good reason um, for that. On the way back, uh, I did get sick, you know, and the good Lord has blessed me. Yes, even though I'm in my mid-50s, the good Lord has blessed me with very good health. I have treated a lot of folks over my years, but I've basically never had any health issues. I guess I was more than just sick mm-hmm. uh, on the way back. The good Lord looked out for us. We did take IV fluids this time. Um, made it back to Kano. I don't really even remember coming back. I remember us being stuck on the highway or the road there in Kano, and it was unbelievably hot. Um, but we made it back to that Christian compound in Kano. This man started an IV on me, and he said, you know, Brent, I haven't started an IV in 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you got it on the second try. Yeah. Uh, but when we got back to Kano, uh, we stopped by the airport first. And they went in, Dave and a couple of other members of the team went in to secure plane tickets for us. I could hardly move. I remember getting out of the van. I remember going over. They had an awning that had some shade and laying down. I just wanted to lay down. Uh, and I remember two, Elaji and, and one other uh, gentleman was there with me the whole time, the whole time. And 
here I am, 6'4", 300-something pounds, and I was so weak I couldn't hardly get up. I hadn't had the IV fluids yet. We hadn't made it back to the Christian camp. But again, when it was time, when he came back and it was time for us to get back in the van so we could get to the Christian compound, I couldn't hardly move. I saw these hands reaching down to help me up. Different colored skin. Live on the other side of the world. But they were brothers. It's a feeling. It's a real feeling. Let me say this. Uh, one last thing. I know Dave's not going to make it about us. It's about the Lord. You don't have to go to Africa. You know, you can do that right here in Hereford. Amen. Right with your next door neighbor to reach out to him. You know, uh, you don't have to do the spectacular because God is in the little things. Mm. That's really all I had to say. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate you. Love you, brother. All right. Love you, too. Yeah. I'm going to let you turn this off. Okay. I'll, I'll work on that. Well, well, great, great man, great story, and great God that we serve. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I felt like Paul when, when Paul was talking about Epaphroditus and how sick he was and how God spared him sorrow upon sorrow by healing Epaphroditus. And, and that's just the way I felt when, when the Lord healed David last year and Brent this year. I don't know. It was a, I just break that curse in Jesus' name, but uh, it, it happened again. And, uh, um, you know, I, I don't like to see my people get hurt. I was, I was thinking, man, I can't do this again, you know, after David got sick last year. But I did, got back on the bike, and then Brent got sick again, and just revived all those memories. But (laughs) by the grace of God, Brent bought some bags of IV fluid um, through PCS, and we we had plenty of medical supplies to to help him. We were thinking we're going to treat kids with that. None of the kids were so dehydrated that they needed it, but... Uh, I used it all on, on Dr. Brent. And then um, a sister who was a partner in this ministry is the director of pharmacy at a mission hospital in Kano. Uh, we called her, and she brought back several other bags of IV fluid. And we were able to use the IV set that I had from the States on these IV bags. And if you're in the medical profession, you know how some of this stuff doesn't match. But by the grace of God, it did. And so 14 bags later, he finally urinated, and I knew that we were out of the woods then uh, because his kidneys started to function again. So praise God. And the timing was so beautiful because we'd already, we'd already been to the villages, and we were on our way back to Kano. The bulk of our ministry was complete, and he got deathly ill on the way to the border, um, crossed the border, and <clears throat> what a spectacular thing it was to see God's goodness in the midst of adversity. And that may be the word that he has for some of you today, that, that God works in the midst of adversity. He doesn't keep you from it. And uh, 
We were in a storm in Lake Chad a couple of years ago, um, and I thought we were going to drown, and, but the Lord kept us safe. We were able to, we were dead in the water, and, and the wind was blowing bad, and the Lord rescued us from that. <clears throat> we got into another boat, and then eventually got back to shore somehow. I don't know how we got back to shore, but, and then the storm stopped. And uh, I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what's going on here? And he said, David, not every storm is from the devil. I said, Lord, you mean you did this? He said, yes, to protect you. And I knew then that we were to go back to the beach that night and not try to proceed on. And... That's a message for you all as well, that not every storm is from the devil, but the Lord, within the storm, works his will and purposes in our lives because of his goodness. We don't see the end from the beginning like he does. We don't understand. And some things, like Pastor Wayne says, are beyond understanding until we get to the other side. But if we trust him, then we will maintain the peace that passes all understanding. So let's go to the next slide, please. This is uh, quite a man of God here. Uh, None of us are worthy to work with him, but by the grace of God, he's with us. This is Reverend Musa Garbakakawa. He's known as the first Canary evangelist. 55-year-old evangelist has been in this business for over three decades. God has used him to reach the Canary, and today we boast of as much as 50 Canary Christians, a tribe that was completely close to the gospel, much like the Ayer Tomashek. He has tenaciously affected the Bible translations to Canary, translation of the Jesus film to Canary, among many works. In other words, he was the primary guy that translated the New Testament into his tribal language. Amazing and also the Jesus film. Recently, he's had to relocate from Madugri because of the Boko Haram. But God has protected him and his family to this time. He knows the terrain, the danger, the intricacy of the region. He also has contacts of the few Christians in this region of the world. He is the scout, the ambassador, the translator, and the moderator. He was a staunch Muslim, now turned evangelist. Next slide, please. Uh, this is Pastor Emmanuel Makaila. He uh, is a son in the Lord. Emma is from the northern part of Cameroon. He is also a strong Islamic scholar and teacher. He gave his life to Christ and was disowned by his family, disinherited and uh, isolated. He embraced Christ and has never turned back. In this particular mission trip, Emma made my day when he told me God blessed his family so much that he is building a big house in his village. I was glad because Emma actually left all when he decided to follow Jesus. He has little education, but is gifted in many languages, including English, Canary, Hausa, French, Fulfolde, and um, another ethnic language. Um, Gifted in fixing electrical appliances and utilities, he manages our equipment. He is also bold in preaching the gospel. He's about 35 years old. Now, the unfortunate thing is, uh, and this happens with a lot of Africans, they become... Uh, dependent on you or see you as, a, as their source. And when this happens, 
it's a loss. And he is a big loss to me. I had to fire him the other day because uh, he was wanting a, a year's salary knowing that we were uh, receiving money for this mission trip coming up this Friday and uh, needing 5000 for the relief effort of, I haven't mentioned that, but people in Agadez in this city, uh, I don't have the map with me, but near where we were, uh, we had to go through Agadez. Um, those folks are right now in a, a famine situation, and there's a million people who are starving in this area. And um, this is just one of the many things that goes on with Lost But Not Forgotten. It's not just about short-term missions over there. Um, I want to raise $5,000 for that effort. But today's effort is for this coming Friday. We're still $750 short. And I know the Lord's going to bring it in. He's bought in $6,000 in eight days. So I know he'll bring in that last, that last little bit also. Uh, but my point was with Emma, I said, Emma, I'm very disappointed in you. I'm very angry. You know what's going on here. And he put me into a corner. Uh, he said, well, I've got I've to pay rent because I didn't finish my house. And well, six months ago, he called me and said, um, I've run out of money. I don't have any money. I've got to pay rent. And, and so he wanted me to pay the rent for six months. Well, we did that. Graciously, I did that. And then again, he comes to me now for $1,250. And, and uh, <clears throat> so I finally, I, I thought about it, prayed about it, called him back. And I said, well, I'm going to send you the money, Emma. But when you get to Madugri, he has to travel to northern Nigeria from Cameroon to pick up the money. It's a five-hour drive just to get his money. But anyway, I said, <clears throat> when you get to Madugri, Musa's going to have a message for you. And I didn't tell him what it was, but... You know, Musa said, what do you want me to do? Tell him he's fired. And I said, yes, yeah, do that. You know, it hurts, and I know he's hurt over it. Um, we're going to reorganize the, uh, the, the, the mission a little bit differently. I'll describe that to you in a second. Um, but it had to be done. Sends a message that the mission is more important than the missionary. And we cannot leverage or manipulate God into doing things for us ahead of the needs of other people. This isn't about us. This is about Jesus. This is about helping our brothers who are in, in need and, and setting free the people of the 1040 window, the Muslims in this area. Um, this is a serious mission. It is not just a, um, a group of guys who get together a couple of times a year to go and play missionary. You know, we're very serious about what we do. The Holy Spirit's very clear about what our job is. It's not just Chad. It's not just Niger and the mountains there, Air Mountains. It's not just Diffa. It's not just Nigeria and northern Cameroon. The Holy Spirit said, you're going to reach all of the Muslim villages of West Africa. And up till now, I didn't know how that was going to happen, but I just started, and I, and I proceeded, and the Lord has, has blessed and, and made a way for us ever since that time. You know, Isaiah 45, 2 and 3 is the key verses that the Lord's given us for this mission. It says, And I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I'll shatter the bronze doors. I'll cut through their iron bars. 
I'll give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden wealth of secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, who calls you by your name. This is a promise for us. And God has been faithful to his promise. There's, there is treasures of darkness here in Hereford, Texas. There are secret places in, in Hereford, Texas. And God wants to give you those treasures as well. And <clears throat> part of why I'm here today to give you this report is you've invested in this ministry. You've put your hard-earned dollars in this. You have continued to do so faithfully for a couple of years now. We've been in business now five years, and, and I appreciate what you're doing. But this, is, this message I'm giving you is a serious message of what Jesus is doing because of your partnership. Without partners, this doesn't happen. Because God chooses to use you and other partners, human beings, to join with us in this ministry. It's never about a cowboy going out alone. I know this is cowboy country, but your cowboy, he needs to, he needs to have a team also, or it, his work doesn't get done either. So, <clears throat> next slide, please. This is a promising man of God, and I and, uh, hope you'll be hearing more from him. This, this man's name is Reverend Alaji Peter Abdul Rashak Muhammad. That is his name, and it's important that it is known by that. Calling him by those names is in itself the gospel. Alaji Peter was a dangerous Muslim cleric, trained under some fanatical sheikhs in Madugri and Sudan. He had done some dangerous things for the kingdom of hell before he met Christ. He meets Christ about 15 years ago when he was assigned to a prison in Yola. We're going near Yola, actually. We're going to fly into Yola after Lagos as their Friday cleric. So he went into the prison and became the Muslim cleric for, for the Friday worship. Um, let's, see. Dan, let's see. He was met by a Christian evangelist named Daniel. Daniel was also a Christian evangelist assigned to the prison at the time. So every Friday they met the inmates and shared with them in turn, and he noticed that Daniel was a good person, and they became friends. He sincerely came to love Daniel and told Daniel how he has powers and even the power to kill. See, people would come to Elaji with money and say, I want you to kill this person for me in the spirit. And Elaji would go to his basement and do various things, and the guy would die. And so he, he had the reputation for being able to kill people in the spirit. So, I mean, these are some of the dark things of the devil. We're not going to glorify him. I'm just telling you these things because this is where God has taken him out of and where he's put him. Daniel told him, you, you will die too one day, you know. Those words touched him, and he went home and planned to pray 30 days for Daniel's conversion. He said in the process, he prayed, God, if Daniel's religion is right, show me. But if not, convert Daniel. The long and short of the story is that Christ appeared to him in a dream, and all other events added up to his conversion. Long before the emergence of Boko Haram, he had been on the list of those meant for the slaughter. And his own very brothers and cousins had made several attempts to kill him. 
uh, basically throwing him out of a moving vehicle three times. He survived those attacks. While he is with us on this last mission trip, his cousin came by his house in uh, Yola and said, where's Alaji? And, and uh, she said, he's not here. Well, his cousin had called Alaji and said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to do it slowly. Not with a gun, but with a machete. And every time I cut off one of your limbs, I'm going to listen to you say the Shahada, which means uh, that's the, the Muslim way of, of saying there's... I'm not going to repeat it, but it's, it's a way of, of uh, saying you're a Muslim. And uh, so if he had not been with us on this mission trip, he'd be dead right now. God is good. You know, and he wasn't supposed to be there. He was in school... And uh, I told Moose, I said, I want a Lodgy with us. He's useful for us for work. And uh, he said, uh, well, he's in school. And I said, ah, that's disappointing. Well, I got a call from Musa the day before we got to Kano, or left for Kano. And Musa said, I just got a call from El The administrator of the school said, you guys have an Easter break. I forgot to tell you. You're going to be off all week. And he said, do you still want Alaji to come? I said, you bet. So he made his way on public transportation from uh, southeast Nigeria all the way up to the northern border on his own dollar, not expecting anything in return. This is the kind of man Alaji is. Okay, so after his, the persecution, the church moved him to EYN headquarters in Mubi from where he had been used severally by God in crusades and outreaches. He has been, tra- has been trained and retrained and today an ordained minister. He's gone back to the theological college for a degree course in affiliation with the University of Jos, most importantly to improve on his English. To the glory of God, many of his family members have come to accept Christ, and despite attacks by Boko Haram, they are still standing. Alaji Peter is one dead man that I know. He is ever hungry for the gospel. Next slide, please. My humble self, this is Dr. Paul, I have prayed that God will give me the strength that he has given these men above and that I may do his will. The place I fit in, in this great group, is in my trainings. As a veterinarian doctor, I have worked several years in human pharmaceutical industry. Thus, whenever I am around in any outreach, I make the work easier for the physicians. I reconstitute drugs, get a little advice here and there on choice of drugs, and generally manage the drug table. I have also been trained by several mission groups and have been involved in several outreaches before Lost But Not Forgotten. Um, And there are others in this group. Next slide, please. Um, These are Pastor Alaji Issa on the left. That's, uh, he's, he's uh, from Niger, from the southern part. He works with another unreached people group called the Manga, with whom we've had some success. And then Abubakar number one and Abubakar number two, those are pastors in, uh, in, in Agadez. And Abubakar number two was the one who informed me of the famine. Um, you know what I told him? This is, this is pretty sad, but I told him, I said, well, we'll be praying for you, but... Uh, Right now, we have other projects that are, that are more important than helping you with, with, with the famine. Uh, you know, I don't know why I said that. It was pretty insensitive. 
But the Lord informed me that we didn't have any other projects more important than that, that we were going to, to help those people, and the Tims were going to meet any donation up to $2,500 for the, for the relief effort of the brothers who are starving in Agadez and in the villages that we just reached uh, not long ago. So um, that's a separate uh, deal. If anybody's interested, just get up with me. Um, these men up here, they all speak French and Hausa. Hausa is a language that helps tie most of the Africans together in this area. And they are a great light in the 1040 window. As far as reorganization, can you go back a slide, please? Uh, I just asked Dr. Paul to pray about what God has in store for him in the future. You know, um, I need to go back to the map. That would be the second slide. Um, and uh, pointer. I'll finish up here, guys. I just want to tell you what we're fixing to do in the future. Well, uh, I've, I've wanted to go to Burkina Faso, and part of it has uh, also been fueled by David's uh, desire to do something different. And uh, I thought, yeah, let's, let's move west, because the Lord told me to cover all of this area here, not, not just right in here. So I thought, okay, let's move west. Burkina Faso, I'd like to get there someday. I've been praying about it thinking about it for about a year. And uh, just the other day, when I fired Emma, God showed me, and you're going to have to separate from the rest of the guys, too. And I said, what do you mean, God? And he said, well, do you think they're going to be able to cover this, or this, or this, or that? They can barely cover this uh, four-country area here. And uh, I said, oh, wow. I hear what you're saying now. So <clears throat> Paul, the, the last man I showed you, that last picture, he, I'm going to ask him to be the, the regional executive director for Lost But Not Forgotten. That's a big word for he's going to be in charge of reaching all the Muslims in this area, in the, in the villages of, of this area. And with Musa, who is the, the director of the mission, uh, he's going to be responsible for the actual planning and organization of the trips. So Paul lives in Lagos, which is right here. He has access to bigger churches, and I'm going to help him establish some relationships with these churches so that they can begin to support the work of Lost But Not Forgotten over there. Now, when that happens, when these churches get on board and they begin to hear the call of God to participate in reaching their own people, then that will free up resources so that we can begin a new ministry out of Burkina Faso. Okay, we'll still be in charge in an apostolic way over this area, but our main focus then will be here. And uh, just like the Holy Spirit gave us contacts in Madugri, I'm trusting that he'll give us contacts in Burkina Faso and that these men will have a heart to reach their Muslim brothers in these, particularly in this area, this area, northern Ghana, northern Benin, northern Togo, west Niger, and Mali, which is currently a hotbed of, of uh, uh, terrorist activity. So this is the plan, to reproduce another group of guys just like we have right now in Burkina Faso. Look how strategically 
placed this country is. It's landlocked, but it borders one, two, three, four, five, six different countries. And so even though I might not be able to get a, um, to get a, a visa to go into Mali from the capital, I think it's Timbuktu, but I, I could probably find a way to get across the border for a short period of time to do evangelism and then tuck, get tucked back into Burkina Faso. The same is true in the Ivory Coast. Uh, Ghana, uh, getting a visa is not difficult. Uh, Togo and Benin is not difficult either. But uh, these, these two countries in particular are going to be difficult to reach any other way. So, uh, and the number one unreached people group in Burkina Faso, uh, a, a group that no one really is interested in reaching because they're so small, 1,500 people. They're called the Blay. And the Blay speak a, a language called Jalkunin. There's no, there's no word, there's no, mis- there's no evangelical things available in their language. But they also speak Jola. And Jola is a language uh, that's available, the Jesus film is available in that language. So the plan is eventually, maybe not on this trip in the fall, but uh, perhaps the next year, get to this area and reach the Blay uh, for, for Jesus. Uh, because what does the Word of God say? There is going to be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation be standing before the throne of God. And if somebody doesn't get interested in these tribes that are dying out, then how is that going to happen? So I believe the Lord's put it on my heart for that particular reason. And that's part of the future. Uh, David's committed to going with me in the fall. Um, <clears throat> we're like going back to square one, except we have the experience of seeing what the Holy Spirit can do if you'll just believe him and step out by faith. And you guys can do the very same thing. You don't have to be me. You don't have to be a, a doctor and a pharmacist and having walked with God for 40 years, that is, not, that is not what you need. You are yourself, your own person. You have your own giftings and your own callings. And God can use you, you special individuals in Christ, ordained of God for the will and purposes that he has for your life. And I just want to encourage you through this presentation to show you what God is able to do through us, through the exchange life. Thank you very much for your participation and appreciate your prayers, first of all. And I do mean that seriously. The prayers come first because God can hear whatever you tell him. And even if you don't have the money or the protection or whatever, he can figure it out and get it to us. So I thank you for your prayers and I appreciate your financial investments also. And for listening to me, I hope that the goal of, of showing what Jesus has done has been accomplished today. And if it has, please let me know. Thank you very much. God bless you.